Well, good morning again. Uh, it's great to be here to share God's Word with you. And uh, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to share God's Word with you. And today we'll be looking at the uh, passage I believe will change, uh, sorry, will challenge us to look at our own lives as we look back 2,000 years and read God's Word. Please have your Bible open at uh, 1 Thessalonians. And if you have your outlines there, that would also be helpful as well. How do we know if what we are doing is successful? If we look at the world's measure, we would probably say that is to be successful, we would be wealthy, have lots of assets, drive a nice car, be a leader in our field of expertise. But how does God measure success? Today we'll look at the Thessalonians, where Paul gives us some great insights into what a successful ministry looks like. My best man and his wife went to a small town in Austria as missionaries. When they got there, there was a small church. This church wasn't what you'd consider a success. It needed missionaries to run, and it needed outside funding to survive. When they left, however, the church was still in its infancy. But after many years of hard work, consistently preaching the gospel, and doing it with integrity, and living lives worthy of God, the church is now thriving and is being run by the local people. My best man and his wife made many sacrifices and spent many years away from family and friends back here in Australia. I believe that their ministry was very successful and I look forward to getting to heaven and meeting all the people that accepted Christ as their Lord and Saviour through my best man and his wife's successful ministry. That brings us to the book of Thessalonians here in chapter 2. Paul's going to give us his credentials and show us how while he was with the Thessalonians, he could say to them, look at me, look at me, look at me. Does my saying match my doing? Do I walk the talk? Am I bold in telling the good news about Jesus Christ? These are questions I ask myself and are questions I believe for all believers. So let's look at uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. And our verses this morning are all about whether or not Paul's ministry among the Thessalonians was a success. And right from verse 1, Paul makes it very clear his visit to them was not a failure. And the first reason that it was not a failure was that they went on and they preached the gospel. We read here verse 1 and 2. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. If you have a Bible like mine, then in the back you will see the maps of Paul's missionary journeys. There are at least three that show Paul was very well travelled. It would appear Paul visited Thessalonica on two occasions and also the towns nearby preaching the good news. Paul and Silas had been able to set up a church here in Thessalonica we read this if we go back to Acts chapter 17. We can read, Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. This is what I believe uh, Paul is referring to here in verses 1 and 2. Verse 2 also then goes on to tell of the great persecution Paul and Silas suffered. As a bit of a background, we can go back and see Paul had suffered greatly for spreading the gospel, the great news about Jesus the Messiah, saving people from their sins. 
In Acts chapter 16 and verses 16 to 23, we read how Paul was beaten for sharing the gospel. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas were in Philippi going around the city sharing the good news. Paul exercised a spirit from a slave girl. We read in Acts 16 verse 16, this girl earned a great deal of money for her owners telling fortunes. Paul was then falsely accused and dragged before the authorities and attacked, ending in both Paul and Silas being, in verse 23, severely beaten and thrown in jail. Acts chapter 17 tells of how on his previous visits to Thessalonica, Paul and Silas had been persecuted for telling this great news about Jesus and a mob was formed and started a riot in the city. Paul and Silas had to sneak out under the cover of darkness and went to Berea, where they were also pursued by the Thessalonian Jews, who also agitated the crowds once again, forcing Paul, Silas and Timothy to leave. Paul and Silas had suffered greatly for the sake of telling the gospel. Paul would have had scars on his back as he was writing this letter to the Thessalonians. Paul, when Paul went to Thessalonica, he preached the gospel despite facing heavy persecution. And that's the first sign that his visit to them wasn't a failure. The gospel was preached. So as Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he would have known that there was great opposition to the gospel. I wouldn't have to guess too hard to imagine there would have been a lot of rumours spread, false accusations made, and Paul's credibility brought into question by the local Jews. I once saw a van pull up in the main street and painted on the van were words like lose weight now, ask me how, losing weight is easy. As I saw the driver and only occupant get out, I was alarmed to see that they were far what would be considered trim. (laughs) The person was definitely carrying too much weight. Their life didn't match their message. Paul then goes on to appeal to the Thessalonians and to make a case against all these false accusations and to establish that he did all his work with integrity. He could, look at, he could say, look at me, look at me, look at me. This is the second reason his ministry among the Thessalonians was a success. He conducted himself with integrity. Look at it here in verse 3 to 6. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We are not looking to pray for the praise from people, not from you or anyone else even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Here Paul outlines how he went about living his life and sharing the gospel with the Thessalonians. What a great thing to be able to say to your fellow believers, look at me, look at me, look at me. Paul was not interested in pleasing those around him. He was doing this for the God he served. And Paul could also say, God is my witness. Can I do that with confidence? Can I say God is my witness? Some days yes, some days no. 
Does my saying match my doing? Paul then uses two examples of how he had worked when he had worked among the Thessalonians. First, like a nursing mother, in verse 7, Instead, we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother caring for her little children. And secondly, like a caring father, in verse 11, we read, For you know that we dealt with you, each of you, as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. What a great example for us today as we deal with our fellow believers and those that don't yet know Christ. We are to be loving, caring, encouraging, comforting and urging one another to live lives, to live godly lives. Paul tells of his love for the Thessalonians and his delight in sharing with them. We read in verse 8, sharing not only the gospel but our lives as well. Paul also makes a point of reminding the Thessalonians that he was not a burden to them. Verse 9. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel. I think this may have been another accusation levelled at Paul, that he was only in it for the money. The second sign of a successful ministry. It was done with integrity. I think verses 10 to 12 are probably pivotal verses in this chapter. Paul can say, you were witnesses. You saw firsthand how we went about our work. We were holy, righteous and blameless when we were among you who believed and how a father dealing with his own children, Paul encouraged, comforted and urged the Thessalonians to live lives worthy of God. If we are looking for an application for our own lives from this passage today, what a great challenge that is for us. Live lives that are worthy of God. Can we say to our families, friends, workmates, schoolmates, look at me, look at me, look at me? In verses 13 to 16, Paul gives his third reason why his visit to them wasn't a failure. And that is that as he preached the gospel to them with integrity, people became Christians. Look at it here in verse 13. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. The very word of God. The fact we're still reading this 2,000 years later, the fact we're able to read these words with confidence, that these are the very words written by Paul, the Apostle. These words are from God and not from some guy with just a great message to be nice and good to people, but a message that changes lives. Verse 14. For you brothers became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Jesus, which are in Christ Jesus. The Thessalonians have taken on the word preached to them by Paul and set about to build a better church, imitating the other churches around them. This has then brought prosecution also from their fellow Jews. The third sign of success in Paul's ministry 
was that people believed the message and were living it out. Rowan last week told us how the Thessalonians were the talk of the whole region. They had made major changes to their lives and people could tell. We read back in chapter 1, verse 8. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Second half of verse 14 we read, You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews. Is it going to be tough being a Christian? To take a stand that challenges people to look closely at their lives and to ask the hard questions? We can read in many books and history tells us that Christians back in those days were often shunned by their own families, cut off from work, falsely accused and jailed for accepting the good news about Jesus. Many early early Christians were stoned to death, beaten and jailed for their accepting of this message. Being a Christian comes at a cost. Even today, Christians in various parts of the world are losing their lives for the sake of the gospel. Paul was able to write with great credibility here as he had suffered greatly because of the preaching of the gospel. We do not face that sort of persecution in the country, in this country. We won't be beaten, we won't be jailed, and what a blessing that is. Paul tells the Thessalonians God is displeased with the Jews. Verse 16, in their efforts to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. The first part of that verse, Paul is very critical of the Jews for their opposition of the gospel being spread to the Gentiles. This was Paul's main goal in life. Paul was to preach to the Gentiles. Again, if we go back in Acts, we can read how after Paul's dramatic conversion, he was told through the prophet Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name to the Gentiles and their kings, and before the people of Israel's. And we can read that in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. This was Paul's passion. This was Paul's mission. The second part of that verse, the wrath of God has come upon them at last. When we read that last sentence, it can be hard to know what to make of it. To understand it, I think it's helpful to look at the endings of all the other chapters in this letter. Back in chapter 1, verse 10, Paul finishes with Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. We've just read, verse 16, the wrath of God has come upon them at last. In verse 19, we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Chapter 3, verse 13, Paul finishes with, When our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Chapters 4, verses 15 to 17, finish that chapter with the second coming. The Lord himself will come down from heaven. Finally, chapter 5, verse 23, we read, May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is definitely a theme here with Paul finishing each chapter with encouragement to the Thessalonians. The Lord Jesus will return and the wrath of God will come upon those that have opposed the spreading of the gospel. We've seen many challenges 
in these verses and that have been brought to us today. As we come to a close, can we say that the gospel is being preached by our church leaders and in my own life? Don't be surprised when you face opposition and persecution. Is our church growing and are people becoming Christians? And lastly, am I living a life worthy of God? Am I living a life of integrity? Does my saying match my doing? Standing up for the gospel will come at a cost to us. Maybe not a direct threat to our lives. Maybe we don't get that promotion. Maybe work colleagues and fellow students make fun of us and ridicule our faith. But I definitely believe it's worth it. Okay, can I pray for us? Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that we can look into it and we can get so much from it. We thank you, Lord, that it was written all those years ago, yet, however, there's so much that we can get from it today for our own lives. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, that you are so patient with us. And, uh, Lord, we just pray that you will help us and strengthen us to live lives that are worthy. And, uh, Lord, we thank you for saving us, for being able to, Lord, that you came to this earth, you died a a horrible death, you did it all because you love us so much. And we thank you so much for that. Amen.